0: Yeah, we're just so happy that you guys are here tonight. We have one of my favorite speakers, our senior pastor, Happy Layman, with us tonight. Yes. And uh, he's going to be continuing our new sermon series, which is called The Real Stuff, where we're just talking about real-life questions. We're college students, and um, as we walk with the Lord, they're just real questions that we have. They're things that we... um, think about and we deal with. And so happy is going to talk about, is it okay to be rich and successful? And, um, so yeah, I'm excited for that. And yeah, as we worship, I just encourage you guys, wherever you're at, whatever your day has been like, or your week's been like, whatever emotions you've been feeling today, I just encourage you right now just to allow the Lord to come and, and just speak to you because our God is faithful and, um, This song we're gonna sing talks about just his amazing grace that he is for us. And um, so I'm just gonna pray real quick and we're gonna get started. Jesus, I thank you for who you are, that you bring our chaos into order, that when you died on the cross, you, you set us free. And I thank you that your promises for our lives are true And that we can can trust you, God, because your grace is sufficient. Your plan for our life is amazing. And so we just give this time of worship to you. And we just say, have your way. Come and speak to us and breathe on us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. This is amazing.
2: I want to know the peace that rules my mind. God, I want to know your spirit. Come and reign inside. Breakthrough. to do something for me I want you to keep singing that song in your heart but before you let it escape your lips I want you to believe it with everything you got in your heart so here we go with your heart As your heart grabs it, begin to let it release from your mouth.
3: see the results and there's adversity and setbacks and even maybe fears come true and I'm just gonna be honest this week I was tested I was tested of something that I felt like God specifically said to me that I saw fruit in that I saw confirmation in and I was tested and I'm even tested right now as I sing this song do I really believe that your promises are true God Do I really believe even when I don't see the results of the promises that they're true? Do I really believe what you say will happen even when real things in life say it's different? And I just got this picture of someone in this storm and it was raining and the clouds were gray and gloomy and I just felt like the Lord said, are you going to be someone who sinks back and retreats in the rain and in the storm or are you going to be someone who dances in the rain? who dances in the storm and proclaims God's goodness even when you don't see it. Proclaims God's promises and truth even when you don't feel it. Because I don't know about you, but it's not not easy always to proclaim the promises and truth that maybe we know in our heads but don't feel or believe in our hearts. But in moments like that, in the storm like that, that's when we, when our praise and our worship even means more meaningful, that's even more powerful when we don't feel it, yet we proclaim it. Can anyone resonate with that? Can anyone resonate right now with how I feel? If I'm the only one in the room, that's okay. So if anything in you right now doesn't feel like worshiping, because maybe a part of you don't believe, I'm just going to say that's okay. Because Jesus will meet you where you're at. And there's a scripture and story that I love when Jesus is going to heal someone and yet they haven't seen the results of that healing yet. And he's afraid and he's worried and Jesus just looks at him and says, believe. And I just love the honest in this guy's life and he looks right at Jesus and says, I do believe Lord, but help my unbelief. Is there anyone that has a dream or a vision over your life that you believe? But yet there is unbelief that you wrestle with. There is unbelief that you struggle with. I know I do. So we're going to sing this chorus again. And if there's anyone with me, press in a little more. And ask God to meet you in your unbelief. In faith. a lot at life. a lot of things happen that isn't planned, and uh, we got an amazing speaker that's going to speak soon, and I'm so excited to introduce him, but I just feel like the Lord's stirring something this moment, and, and I don't know about you, um, there, there's waves of fear in my life, and I'm just going to give you a glimpse, because we always want to be real. Um, my girlfriend's down here, and uh, we've had prophetic visions, she's a gymnast, And uh, she didn't have to come back for her fifth year this year, but she prayed and felt like God told her to. And uh, she never did this one routine because she tore her Achilles four years ago. And it's very dangerous to kind of do this routine. But a year ago, the Lord spoke to me and said that she was meant to do this routine and prophetically declare and dance for the Lord in in front of everyone that comes to these meets. And that it was going to be Christian music and it was going to be all about Jesus. And at the time, her coach wasn't a believer, and she said, Rye, I love you, but that'll never happen, you know? So I just kept praying it and praying it and praying it, and then she got a new coach. And before we knew the coach, we were praying about who the coach was, and praying that, Lord, that we pray this coach would be a kingdom coach that loves you, Jesus, and that, that just expands your kingdom and your love wherever she goes. And she came, and she sold, sold out for the kingdom of God. Sold out, radical for the kingdom of God. And, and, you know, she's, being, she's busy and she's like, MJ, you're just gonna keep your same routine. But the Lord spoke to her uh, about two weeks ago when she was having her quiet time and said, MJ is supposed to have a routine on the, the dance floor that prophetically proclaims my name and my majesty. And you're meant to create a dance with, with, with for her that has Christian music and that shares about the freedom of Jesus Christ. So she stepped out in faith and told MJ and MJ was so excited and I was so excited and other people were so excited because the Lord had confirmed without me ever talking to the coach that this was meant to happen and then two days ago as she was practicing it she tore her other Achilles tendon and as a fifth-year senior who didn't have to come back but she came back because by faith that God told her to this is a, 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 almost a nine-month rehab process and possibly a career-ending injury. And so our faith is tested right now, guys. It's not just about the injury, but it's about what happens when God speaks things to us and then it doesn't come to fruition or something comes against us. And nothing in my heart th- thinks that it wasn't God that did that to her. And I believe God's promises and truth will still reign true. And I felt like he showed me a picture of someone tripping the other day and said, Ryan, it just happened. But keep having faith that she will fly again. And I say that, guys, and I believe there's visions and and promises over your lives. And maybe setbacks have come. Maybe setbacks have come and maybe it will look different than you thought. But do you believe that God's promises and truth is true for your life? So right now, as the band sings this chorus over us again, will we let the Spirit lead us on top of the water, on top of the waves, even when our fears and our setbacks is looking, us, looking at us right in the eye? Will we trust that our God is bigger than the storm? And will we keep believing even when we're tested? Because we will be tested in this life. So I just wanna open up an opportunity right now. If you're in a spot like MJ and I right now, where you're tested, will you just take a bold step and raise your hand right now? Will you just raise your hand? So if you're not raising your hand, will you just go around to these people right now if you wanna come up with MJ or find someone that's raising their hand, and will you just go and pray for them right now? if you can put your, shoulder, your hand on their shoulder and will you just pray faith into them right now please don't let anyone raising their hand not get prayer and will you just commission faith inspire faith just go ahead just pray and prophesy pray out loud in the name of Jesus just bless them with faith doing right now,
1: Father.
3: Just bless what you're doing, Father. And I just pray that you would take us deeper tonight, God, that there would be a revelation into our hearts of the people that you've called us to be and what we're meant to do with this one and precious life that you've given us, God. I thank you that your promises are true and you are faithful, God, and that we are people that live by faith and not by sight. So God, let us be a people that dance in the rain, that sing in the storm proclaiming the father that you are and even when our eyes don't see the results let our hearts and our eyes be fixed on your heart and the faithful father and God that you are God I just bless our senior pastor and leader happy tonight God I thank you for the privilege and honor it is to have him here and I thank you for his faithfulness God throughout all the years to serve you and your kingdom God that he left the business world, that he left his own goals and aspirations to serve you. I thank you that you've rewarded his faithfulness. And I pray that you would bless him again tonight, Father, to share the revelation that you've given him. We honor him, and most of all, we honor you. And we say, come and have your way. In Jesus' name. Guys, you, you may have a seat. If you're praying, feel free to go. But hey, as we introduce Happy, our senior year leader, we have a fun song just to kick it off. And uh, can you guys actually stand to give Happy a round of applause and welcome in? Hit that track, Owen. for Hap, and uh, as we continue our series, The Real Stuff, Hap's going to take us into a, a deep question of what does it look like as Christians? Are we allowed to be rich and successful? So Hap, take the floor, and thanks so much for joining us.
4: Amen. Well, thank you. What a privilege to be here. You know, just one final comment before I start on your ministry time. Having raised five kids, a church of several thousand... Every day I'm in over my head. So you only have two choices in life. Do you want to do it with Jesus or without Jesus? And I've lived that way for most of my life. I heard that when I was about your age, and it served me well. So remember that. Uh, whether it's as tough as what we're facing down here on a Achilles heel or whether it is uh, grades in school or a relationship, it's always Jesus or no Jesus. It's your choice. All right, well, I've got a message for you tonight that um, you may love it, you may not agree with it, but you'll never forget it. (laughs) I'm going to go to work on you because I love your generation. Uh, I have five kids. They're all now uh, 28 to 38, 16 grandkids. It's an amazing story we have, but um, I thought I better get to know you a little bit. So I went on the internet and uh, figured I better dial up a few things and some of you, I'm sure, are uh, avid followers of a young man named John Christ. I knew John's dad. He and I are good friends in the vineyard. So I thought this would help me understand who you are. Uh, join with me as we watch this video for a moment.
5: I was at church. at church one day and the speaker that day was, um, was different. I just sat there with tears in my eyes learning about this ministry that was revolutionizing the planet. I'm talking of course about Millennial International. The need is enormous. There are over 10 million millennials out there who have graduated with no work ethic, no job, no discernible skills at all, and they have expenses. Housing.
2: Student loans.
5: Credit card debt. And I didn't really realize the magnitude of the problem until I looked into the eyes of a millennial, and I saw that face with the the dead, nothing's happening up here kind of thing. So I went out to the booth after the service, and I talked with the guy, and he really informed me about the devastation that's not being able to fund a millennial lifestyle.
1: Core power yoga.
5: Birch Box for men. I looked over all the envelopes and my heart was really touched when I saw this one particular fellow that I, I just had to get more information about him. He was uh, Declan from Beverly Hills.
6: I am aspiring photographer. I graduated college with an art degree, so obviously that puts me at a disadvantage.
1: Volkswagen Jetta lease.
5: Beardwax. Spotify premium. In his last letter he wrote to me and said that his uh, weekend was, oh how did he put it, um, totes lit fam. Literally have no idea what that means.
1: Spin cycle
3: membership.
5: Pet food for my rescue dog.
3: Uber's home from a pub crawl.
5: A typical sponsorship program costs $29 a month. Millennial International is actually $2,900 a month. Yeah, it seems expensive at first, but when you see the need, it is so worth it.
2: Trunk club subscription.
5: Essential oils. Annual pilgrimage to Bethel Church. It's the same as a traditional sponsorship program, uh, except instead of getting, say, a soccer ball for his birthday, he's getting an Audi.
6: Am I capable of having a job? Sure, but I just feel like, Maybe employment right now would just kind of be stifling my creativity.
5: Through the sponsorship program they actually set up a chance for us to meet each other in person. I brought him an apple pie that my wife had baked for him but I totally forgot he's gluten-free so we couldn't eat it.
6: I mean obviously I've seen food ink so I don't eat the traditional meals like everybody else. For breakfast they usually do like
5: some kombucha juice. He really didn't have much energy that week and it turns out you know, he was on a juice cleanse and I wanted to respect that. My wish for Declan? <laughs> Uh, that he would realize his potential in life, that he would be better, achieve more.
6: I've been getting blue ribbons and participation trophies my whole life. What do you expect? For me, if it wasn't for the program, I'd have to get a job, or worse, start a GoFundMe.
5: Many of these kids in traditional sponsorship programs are fighting diseases like malaria, pneumonia, tuberculosis, and these millennials have the same struggle peanut allergies, pollen sensitivity, lactose intolerance. Kids in Africa are getting typhoid. Declan was recently diagnosed with tennis elbow. I was originally paying vision and eye care insurance for him, but it turns out his eyeglasses weren't even real. To me, you can't put a price on friendship. Join me in sponsoring a millennial today and help us. Help us. Help us, help us
6: live the lives we portray on Instagram.
4: Now, I'm sure that's not any of you, but how many of you have watched John Chris movies before? Dial him up. He is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I knew him as a kid. I had no idea he had that much in him, but he's done really well. But let's talk about Rich and successful. You've come to college. Why would you come to college? You wanted to get a better job. You wanted to get ahead. Uh, You get somewhat mixed messages as you go through life. You have part of the church telling you God really loves the poor, and so you probably ought to be poor, and that God hates rich people because they don't know what to do with their money, they only do evil things with their money. And so you hear that, and then you read about certain rich guys in the Bible that seem to get along pretty good with God. So what's the truth? I remember when I was sitting, um, I guess I wouldn't have come to a meeting like this. I grew up in a little town of Eureka, Illinois, farm kid, came to the University of Illinois because they had an ag school and I wanted an ag degree. I wanted to get away from my parents, who were very devout Christians, couldn't stand it, told my wife when I met her, three things you need to know about me, I'm a farm kid, I'll never farm, number two, I'll never be a Christian, number three, I will never pastor if I somehow become a Christian. My dad had been a lay pastor and a farmer. Well, I came to school, got into the party life, lived not far from here over at Alpha Gamma Rho Fraternity, corner of 1st and Gregory, my wife was a Delta Gamma. Uh, over there on uh, by Smith Music Hall. We we're just having a great time. I didn't think about God at all, but God was thinking about me. When he brought Diane into my life, she essentially was a secret agent that didn't like some of my lifestyle. And she started telling me that I had become almost an alcoholic and I had I had a date every night of the week and just a mess. And uh she told me I was going to have to straighten out if I was going to date her. I said, okay, but you remember my three things. I'm not going to be a Christian. And uh, we end up, I had to go to the Army for a while and then I got back out and came back to the University of Illinois and got an MBA in finance. My wife was getting a, she I'm two years, I'm actually three years ahead of her in school, about two years older. And uh, so I was out for a year in the National Guard, came back. I'm in grad school. We decided to get married and uh, Again, we're not going to do this God stuff. It took one month, and she caved in and wanted to be a Christian. I followed along, and uh, it was interesting. I was just a very lukewarm Christian, and I was the tightest Christian you ever met about giving money. I was in a church, had no paid preachers. We had lay preachers take over. And uh, every church family was to give $100 a year to keep the lights on, the insurance paid, the yard mode, and I would, under duress, give my $100 the last week of the year. I'd say, they don't need our money and everything. And meanwhile, with an MBA, I'm out making good living. My wife has a master's in education. She's teaching school. Double income, no kids. We used to call them dinks. I don't think that's a term anymore, but... uh, if you had two incomes and no kids, you could make a lot of money in those days. And in 1977, I have no idea why, Di wakes up one day and says, we need to start tithing. I said, oh, okay. Oh, by, by the way, we'd, finally, I, we'd become Christians in 72, five years, hadn't given any money. 77, Di says, let's start tithing. Oh, okay, we got a lot of money. We don't know what to do with it. Give some to the Lord. My whole life changed. I had no idea what happened. In one year, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. My wife got healed of barrenness, which is our life story. We ended up with five kids. And I got called to the ministry. About three or four years later, I was asking the Lord, I said, why did you change everything in 77? I said, why didn't you call me into the ministry when I was 20 years old? I could have been a really good superstar. I was about 30 by that time. And I said, I could have really had a 10-year head start. I said, it wasn't my fault you weren't in the ministry. You were so selfish I couldn't talk to you. Then he took me to Acts 10 and 11, where it talks about Cornelius. And it says he was a giver of much alms. The Lord said, when you opened your heart, I began to pour uh, wealth into your life. And I changed your life. And you began to work with me. And things started happening." So the stories I'm going to tell you today come out of real-life experiences They changed my world. You couldn't talk me into not giving. You couldn't talk me into believing God doesn't want me to prosper. You couldn't talk me into uh, the sort of uh, mentality that we're to live real, real poor and, and poverty stricken. I think we're to be wealth creators that help God push the kingdom into every corner of the earth. So as I say that, that's where I'm coming from. It's a powerful story. It changed my life. And I, I just want you to hear that, because most of us start with some preconceived ideas when somebody talks about money. You know, we, we've been taught things. We've been raised certain ways. I was raised really poor. I was told I was going to have to work for everything I ever had. We didn't have much. We could have gone bankrupt a number of times as, as farm kids. But we always had enough to eat. Uh, on the other hand, I learned how to work. I learned how to think. I would trade my 18 years on the farm. I'd take them any day over my six years at the University of Illinois. And I love the University of Illinois. It's been a good school. And I'm not downgrading what you learned. But I learned how to work and think and pr- and just uh, make things happen. So what I want to look at tonight is how does what God says in the Bible, what you sometimes hear society say, and how you're going to live your life, how do they all intersect? See, it doesn't matter what I think, and it really doesn't matter what you think. Neither one's going to win the day. The Bible's going to win the day, and the Spirit of God has to be in you, leading, guiding, and directing you to go to the next step. Does that make sense? So having said that, I thought this would be interesting to just reflect on a few famous Bible characters. Let's take Abraham. Was he rich or poor? He was loaded. Um, Abraham... Had so many servants born in his household, he had a whole army that defeated four or five kings one time. What about his son Joseph, the one, or great, great, it'd be his great-grandson Joseph, the guy who ends up in uh, Pharaoh's house as number two in command. Was he rich or poor? Very rich. He was very poor for quite a while. So this isn't a get-rich-quick thing. It's partnering with the Lord. There's some secular writings that Joseph... owned cities, uh, was a great general and just amazing things. What about King David? Was he rich or poor? He's pretty well-to-do, wasn't he? He gave something like uh, a few billion dollars to his son Solomon to um, build a temple. How about Solomon himself, rich or poor? Rich. Yeah, obviously rich. Silver became so useless they set it outside the city and nobody even wanted it. I'd like to go just pick a little bit up and bring it back, <laughs> wouldn't you? Let me ask you an interesting question. Those were easy. How about Jesus Christ, rich or poor? Be real careful. <laughs> You're all pretty smart, aren't you? You, you don't want to be trash. Do you ever stop to think Jesus supported 12 families? It said he had an entourage following him. He had a treasure. This guy wasn't exactly living on the poor end of the spectrum. Now, did Jesus have big fancy houses and you a house out on the Mediterranean, one on the Red Sea, and one on the Galilee? No, but he had what he needed. So sometimes we think of rich as Bill Gates rich versus what you have. In fact, let me just ask you, what do you think rich is? Most of you... Um, would be classified as the rich of the world. The poorest people I see in America are nothing like the poor people I see in other countries. You have no idea until you go to other countries the poverty they live in. In Mexico, we don't think of Mexico as a terribly poor country. I've seen many a home, the only thing that held the boards on the outside of their house together was milk carton cardboard that they somehow stapled or taped onto the boards. They lived on dirt floors. They lived in rooms that were uh, six by six. I was in Ethiopia in a home that had four people in it. The, the home was, you know, like six by ten. They all lived in there, four people. We, we know nothing of poverty in America. So we have to be real careful when we bring up the term rich, because what is rich? Um, I, my wife and I, Combined, earn over a hundred, uh, easily over hundred thousand dollars. That makes us in the top two, three percent of the world. Now, I can quickly look at the Bill Gates of the world and say, "Boy, you know, my little amount doesn't even buy the garage that keeps his fifteen cars or whatever he has." You know, and I'm not upset with Bill Gates. You know, you look at the house you grew up in. You think, "Well, that we're not rich." It's a lot nicer than most of the houses in the world. I live in a house that I bought for $100,000 40 years ago, and it's now $300,000. Could I live in a better house? You bet. There's a lot of nice houses in town. I could live in a lot lesser house. So be real careful as you look at wealth and what it is. And just start thinking through deeper. Christians are notoriously poor thinkers. We're against something, but we don't know why we're against it, or we're for something and we don't know why we're for it. Think it through, ponder it. Where do you fit? what are your, what are your th- thoughts? And so when I talk about uh, wealth, I like to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 or chapter nine verses six to eight. And did you end up putting these on here? Okay, so I love this verse being a farm kid. it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop, the one who plants it generously will get a generous crop. You must decide, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For the Lord loves people who give cheerfully. Verse 8, in my opinion, is the definition of uh, being an abundant, prosperous person. God will generously provide all you need. You always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. you think that would be a pretty good place to be? Everything you need. And plenty left over to share. But see, we usually we're so afraid, uh, Lord. If I give what, away what I have, I won't. I won't be able to get. Some. How many of you have finance degrees in here? Raise your hand if you're in finance. A few of you brave enough to go into the uh, world of finance. Finance. The world has a system of finance, and it's basically get all you can, invest it well, keep close tabs on it. God's kingdom just flips that around and says. Look, there's plenty in heaven. Be generous. And if you're generous, I'll give you more so you can be more generous. And oh, does that go against everything you've been taught? Finance guys, don't learn that in any finance class. 100 level, 200, 300, 400, 500 level. That just isn't taught. And so it, the kingdom of God, when it goes to work in your heart, it, it totally transforms you. Luke 6.38, another one of my favorite verses says, give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned in full, pressed down, shaken together, make room for more, running over, poured into a lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Got a guy in the church, uh, in this local church, that's given uh, millions of dollars into the kingdom. And his life verse is that one right there. He said, I read that verse, and I thought, you know what? If God says that, I believe it. So he said, rather than use a little teaspoon to dish out money. He got one of those big Caterpillar tractors with those big buckets on it. And remember old Scrooge McDuck um, in the comic books? He always sat in the vault with money. So think of that big tractor going in there, getting a big bucket of money and dumping it into the Lord. He gives millions today. I remember when he couldn't give very much at all. Now, I I get on him every night I say, you need to go buy some new clothes. His clothes are older than they need to be. His cars aren't very fancy. Uh, His home is very average. He lives to get. See, money doesn't have his heart. He's using money as a tool. How about uh, the verse in 2 Corinthians 8, just one chapter ahead of the chapter I was in before, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, it says, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to excel in the gracious act of giving. He wants them to excel. Why? I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it to the eagerness of other churches. If you read it in other translations, it's about giving. Oh, that's terrible. You'd look at my giving to see how much I love the Lord. I guarantee your girlfriend or boyfriend looks at it that way. When I met Diane, I didn't have much. By the way, I paid my way through school. I had three jobs. I I owned a Pepsi machine. I I sold shirts. I ran a laundry service that I didn't do the laundry. I simply picked up the shirts and, and took them to the laundromat. And then I got 35%. And then I hired two guys to do it for free laundry. And it worked out real nice. But, you know, there's lots of ways to make money in this world. But I guarantee you, I didn't have much money. But you know that game Texas Hold'em? I have no idea how to play it. I'd be lousy at it. But you know when they push it all in? When I met Diane, I said, that's a keeper. I'm going all in on this one. I just took everything I had, put it in the center table, and said, there were other guys hanging around. I had to get rid of them. But I went all in. (laughs) See, why don't we do that with the Lord? Well, we don't really trust the Lord that much. We don't understand his system. We don't know who he is. We don't believe he would really want to be that way to us. So having said all that, what God wants to do, in Deuteronomy 8.18, he makes this statement. He said, remember the Lord your God. It's he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish the covenant he swore with your fathers as it is this day. You see, God knows it takes money to do things that we do. The church, those of you who come to the vineyard, our annual budget right now is $5 million. Where do you think it comes from? My kids, when they were little, said, does the government pay the church's bills? (laughs) Uh, I don't even say I wish, because I know if a government did, we'd have all kinds of rules and regulations. But we all pay it. We bring our money that God has freely given us. We bring it in. We give it to the Lord, and that's how we grow. That's what builds the kingdom is... People bringing in their finances. And so God says in Deuteronomy, I'm doing this because I have a plan. I want to make my son famous throughout the earth. I do that by building churches. The church, I know lots of you are in different organizations. I have nothing against any organization. But the Bible only speaks of one organization, and that's the church. Every assignment God gave, he gave to the church. Spread the name of Jesus and make him famous. Now, the church hasn't done so good, so there's lots of other organizations, and they do a great job. I'm not against them. I'm just telling you, God says, start with the church. Make the church all she can be, and watch what happens. So I think it's also interesting when people get irritated about money. There's a lot of, you'll, you'll read things like, oh, so-and-so's into the prosperity gospel, so-and-so just wants to get rich quick. This isn't about getting rich quick. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ who wants to bless his kids. How many of you think your mom and dads want you to prosper? Does anybody here think your mom and dad don't want you to prosper? Okay, good. You're smart enough to know that. I want my kids to prosper. I don't want them back. (laughs) I want them paying the bills for me someday. Why would me, being the Bible calls me an evil father, why would God want his kids to do any less than we as fathers, we as natural fathers. I have kids make more than I make. I'm thrilled. That's the way it's supposed to be. Our job is to lay down our lives for the next generation. And so uh, part of my coming here is to help you understand it's okay to have money, it's okay to be successful, but only in the context of relationship with Jesus. Otherwise they'll destroy you. Money will take you out as fast as anything I've ever seen if Jesus isn't at the center of it. Money's not the issue. Love of money's the issue. So always keep that in mind. Money's simply a tool. Most of you have some on you right now. Credit card, green dollar bills, whatever. We all like money. We all carry it around like it's our favorite pet. And we all love to spend it. But if it has you, you're dead. You're not going to go very far. There's a great book. Those of you that like to read books, and and especially you finance guys, you ought to um, really spend some time reading a book called The Blessed Life by a guy named Robert Morris. And um, if you weren't coming to church back in February, we did a series based on that book entitled The Generous Life. He says there's three things that are really important. God is creator, God is redeemer, and God is rewarder. That's how you got saved. You got saved by... Uh, God created man, women. We fell, so we needed redemption. How did we get How we get saved? We got saved through sending the firstborn. And Jesus was the firstfruits of those raising from the dead, right? So you, you've heard the word first, firstborn, firstfruits all the time with your salvation. Now bring it over to your money. Your money fell at the same time. Satan became the Lord of this world. He became the Lord of money, to redeem our money, he says, bring the first fruits of your money to the Lord. Romans says, if the first fruits are holy, everything is holy. That makes your money, takes your money out of the hands of the devil and makes it able to be redeemed, rewarded. God's a rewarder. Luke 6, other places, he says, if you will do this, I will overflow your bank accounts. In fact, um, the understanding of how God's plan works is really, really precious. Some of you have the gift of giving. Um, I, I have uh, some words I'm going to give later, but the guy here with the G, I was talking to you earlier, the, like a Green Bay G, is that Stanford Green Bay or who is that? Oh, George. Okay, they use the same G. Uh, the Lord said that you have the gift of giving. You don't know it yet. You don't really understand how it all works. But that's one of the gifts that God's given you. And that old G was just standing out. That is one way that I'll, I'll get a word. I'll see something you're wearing or something you're doing. or. Think. But you have the gift of giving. So God wants to teach you. So you ought to get that book, study the principles, and dedicate your life to it. I have never seen an impoverished person with the gift of giving. They might have a temporary setback, but they're hilarious givers. They're, they're given to everything fact, the biggest problem gift the givers have is that so many people want their money, and everybody's at their door knocking, so you have to have a clear focus what the Lord's saying to do, but um, that G, wear that proudly, not because it's Georgia either. Uh, I don't think it's Georgia, but you're supposed to be wearing Illinois stuff in this place. So um, so it, remember, God is creator, God is redeemer, God is rewarder, he did it. Personally, you have no problem accepting that. Why don't you now come over and learn how it works in the financial realm? Forty years, I've been pursuing money thoughts. And of the 600 vineyards on the national board, I lead the finance team. I'm thought of as the leader of the finances of the vineyard. I learned more off that one book in 2017 than I'd known in the first 40 years. I'm just giving you a word to the wise. Uh, I'm letting you in on some secrets that'll change your life. Now, you have a choice. You can either figure out God's financial plan and go with it, or you can live by the world's plan and throw a few dollars in the offering. Young people, by and large, are not very good at giving. And I don't mean any of you. I'm talking to the ones who didn't come tonight. But uh, (laughs) seriously... You know, it, it amazes me. Your generation love Starbucks. You ever seen those things? That if you buy one Starbucks a day for uh, 40 years, it's $1.6 million of money you would have. But I'm just saying, you know, my wife's a Starbucks fanatic. <laughs> it has about $200 on her account right now. And uh, I usually ask for a couple sips. So I don't have anything against Starbucks. Bottled water is the same way. You know, you you buy up bottled water, you can lose half a million dollars in your life. So money counts, and think through: what do you want to do with your life? Where do you want to go with your life? What do you want to make out of your life? I, I really make money for two reasons: I want to bless my family and bless the kingdom. That's really all I'm about, because I'm not going to take it with me. I, I give my kids as much as I can give them now, because I figure they don't really need it when they're. Let's say I live another 20 years, and my kids are. Uh, now, you know, 50 and up in that range, 60. They're not going to need it as much as they need it now. So I I figure, I'm just going to give it away. God's got lots of money. Two years after I started tithing, he paid off my house loan of $85,000 in one fell swoop. This is kind of nice. I like working for the Lord. He's smart. He does things all the time. I should write a book on the financial deals I've been involved in. When you come toward the church, there's a uh, there used to be a, a run-down old building on the west side of the road, just a little bit south of the church. It was an old uh, old folks home. You know, and it hadn't been used. I convinced the guy, he was trying to sell it for a million dollars, I convinced him to sell it to the church for a thousand dollars. And he did. He gave it to us. And it has some problems and I'd probably only make a couple hundred thousand out of it for the church. But why not? God loves me. He's always wanting to help me. He's the smartest guy in the world. Remember, Jesus is smarter than Solomon. He lives in you. You're in union with him, and he wants to give you good deals. Why? Because he knows that guys like me will just give it to the kingdom. Rick Warren, the guy, I don't know if you know who Rick Warren is. He's a famous pastor in Southern California. He wrote a book about... 20 years ago, called Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Church. He made $66 million on it, and I've heard the guy say, the Lord let me do it because he knew I'd give almost all of it to the church. He lives on 10% of his income and gives 90% into the kingdom. Drives a 14-year-old car and smiles about it. See, God is looking for hilarious people. Here's a word for some of you young men and women. God told me years ago... He's going to raise up young people that will have such a heart for God, they'll give million-dollar checks like people 30, 40 years ago gave $100 checks. A guy named Graham Cook, I don't know if that name means anything to you. He's an older man who's very famous as a a national speaker. He said God has taken him to heaven. He has gone down rows and rows of inventions and new uh, body parts, all kinds of things. And he said, the Lord, what are these? I'm waiting to finance my church. I'm looking for people who will come and seek me. I'll give them to them so they can use them to finance the church. See, I want to give you a vision. This church thing's worth living for. And if it's worth living for, it's worth investing in. It's worth giving your life and your soul and your heart to. And it's like, wow, I dream of, like, how can I make some more money to to give away? I think like that. I'm pondering deals all the time. And I'm always saying, Lord, show me how I don't lose money so the kingdom can prosper. And that doesn't mean I've never lost some money. I have. But God has uh, really, really blessed us. So your choice now is to figure out, do you want to take the lead, or do you want Christ, Jesus Christ, to be your senior partner? This is a smart senior partner. If the best inv- investment counselor in America, you knew he was the best, came to you and said, I will invest you, and whatever you invest, I get 10% of, would you do it? You'd be nuts not to. You know, maybe you need some help on that. Yes, if, it's, if Warren Buffett, a famous, famous investor, called you and said, invest your money, and I'm only going to take 10%, I'd say, Warren, here's my money. Okay, people would jump at the chance. Jesus Christ said, I'll help you invest your money. I want you to take 10%, I want you to bring it to the church that you go to, and trust me that I will multiply it. I will redeem your money, I will reward you. Look what he says in Malachi 3.10. He says, bring your tithes, tithes means 10% of what you earn, into the storehouse so there'll be food in my temple. Storehouse is the church you go to, so there'll be food in my temple. If you do... Says the Lord of, the, uh, of heaven's armies, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. This isn't required. I know lots of people going to heaven, hardly give a dime. But do you want to live God's financial plan or do you want to live your financial plan? See, the whole Bible's really a book of wisdom. One of the famous authors about 20 years ago said the Bible's written by the smartest human being that ever lived. You all read textbooks and you read this great expert that knows this and this expert and you ooh and ah. Hey, Jesus Christ is the real expert. He knows about money. He knows about health. He knows about relationships. He knows about all the issues touching your lives and hearts. The question is, do you believe him? I know more people believe in They're going to go to heaven someday. They're going to fly off planet Earth and go to heaven than they believe this scripture I just read. Now, to be honest, it's quite frankly easier to believe Malachi 3.10 than believe you're going to leave planet Earth on a spaceship. That's really a stretch if you really want to test yourself out. Well, if you I don't know if I trust this. Well, why do you think you're leaving here then? And in reality, God's coming here, so... That's a whole other subject we can talk about another time. <laughs> but then there are ties and there are offerings. I love what that, uh, Robert Moore says. If you really want to see your money multiply, you go beyond the 10% and God multiplies offerings. He believes 10% is just simply the, what God uh, says that, that buys you into the game. Now I don't think you have to give. I don't think it's a rule. I think I'm telling you some life principles not law principles. Um, if you miss a, a a tithe, I don't think God's going to throw you out of the kingdom or something like that. It's not about your salvation. It's about, do you want to live the abundant life of John 10.10? Here's the wisdom of how you do it. It's your choice. But it's going to take listening to the Lord. It's going to take some hard work. and to keep your nose to the ground and doing some things. So I know I'm over time, but just don't let anybody tell you money is not a spiritual issue. Are you kidding me? You only have three things in life, and they're all spiritual. You only have time, energy, or money. That's all there is to life. Uh, what do you mean it's not spiritual? It's all spiritual. And you say, yeah, well, this is my money. Uh, try that when you get married someday, telling <laughs> your wife it's your money. She'll tell you her money is hers, and maybe get by with it. But you guys, you won't get very far telling you that what you earn is hers. So, um Again, I just think if you'll take some time, study this. What I'd love to have you do, uh, my easiest email is happy.layman at gmail.com. Uh, send me your objections, your questions. I'd love to have a dialogue with you. I'll win, but i still like to have a dialogue. Yeah, it, a huh? Yeah, if, you, if anybody wants to ask a question or two... Uh,
3: I'm more than willing to take it. Uh, I, I just thought it'd be cool to, to, I mean, we got the one and only happy layman here, right? He said to me before in our worship, he's like, man, my wife told me I wasn't going to get home till 12 o'clock tonight. <laughs> so that's how we roll. But does that, we only have a t- probably time for a couple questions. But does anyone have a question particular with finances or what it looks like to be rich that you just want to ask Cap? Just raise your hand and I'll run the mic to you. He won't bite, I promise.
4: Well, I'm glad I convinced you all. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll start seeing a great amount of income, and that's starting to flow from me right here.
3: So if we're currently not making money because we're students, how can we be generous and give?
4: Um, yeah, that, that's, a great, that's a great question. Glad she um, didn't ask me that. <laughs> God's whole plan works on, you know, everybody has anywhere from a dollar to millions. And he simply says, uh, you get in the game in a Malachi 3.10 context, you get in the game at 10%. So, you know, theoretically, 10 cents to 10%. And I have, my wife and I have uh, income tax returns of $1 in $2,000 as married people. We didn't have anything. And um, so I understand that. God's not trying to break anybody. He's trying to give you a way out and break a cycle of being dependent. So, yeah, as college students, I, I, I know one of my sons played football here. He actually tithed his um, scholarship from the U of I. Um, I. don't. You don't have to do that. He just wanted to do that, and uh, he's been very blessed financially. So uh, it works. So, Ryan, there you go. You guys with all those big bucks from the U of I can... Uh, uh, but you don't, you don't have to. God will lead you. And people argue, should I tithe on before taxes or after taxes? I don't even come close to that question. It's just like, I'm going to give God way more than 10%. I'm in this game for life. This is my whole life. My whole financial plan revolves around the kingdom. So there you go. Anyone else?
3: Great question, Anna. Michael, talk.
4: Don't, don't ever, li- listen, listen, don't let this people say this. Those people are too poor to give. That's a really, really unbiblical comment. That has nothing to do with God. That's how you get from poor to uh, prosperity. You begin to give. It's the opposite. You cannot save your way into uh, prosperity. Uh, it just won't happen. You can't do it fast enough. Those of you that are going to get married, have kids, and I have no idea what college expenses are going to be like for your children. They're crazy right now. Uh, you won't make it. I told the Lord, I said, how am I going to my kids ever going to school? And it ended up three of them went on full-ride scholarships for athletics. He said, I'll take care of it. Wow. Then I tried in a giving campaign at the church one time. I told the Lord he didn't have any money. He said, we need to have a talk. He said, how much money did I give you for those three kids? I added it up. It's pretty substantial. He said, I'm taking some of it back. <laughs> See, the, Lord loves, the Lord's a businessman. He loves to work with you. He'll play with you. He'll have fun with you. Some of you guys and gals, when you get out in the business world and you have a sales job or an open-ended income, you know you own a company, you can make unlimited amounts, and you're making 100000 here's what you do. You say, Lord, I made 100000 last year. I'd like to make 125. I'll make you a deal. You get me 125. I'll give you everything over 125. And then next year, say, Lord, I made 125 this year. I'd like to make 150. Say, okay. I say, I'll give you everything over 150. Yeah. yeah, but I might have to give 100,000. So what? You asked for 150. <laughs> See, we don't think well. God loves to interact with us. His greatest joy. Those of you that. When you end up having children, I have, right now I'm doing with grandchildren, I just love to challenge them, work with them, watch their little minds start work. and God loves to do that with us. Watch us grow up and become the mature sons and daughters that he's called us to be.
3: Am I making any
4: headway with you? Yes, yes, yes.
3: Hey, I got one last question before we end. How do we know where to give? You know, there's so many organizations, there's so many things that we can give to. How do you know what is the best to give to?
4: Well, I'm obviously biased, but I do think Malachi 3 says, bring it to the storehouse. The storehouse is where you're being fed. Uh, it's the family you belong to. I would always find a church that you're excited about, and I would bring my 10% there. That would be my my offering, or that would be my tithes. Then I would give offerings above and beyond that to my friends going on a missions trip or... Um, You know, like a group like FCA, I think is a good group. Um, There's other campus groups that do a good job. Uh, That's how I would do it. I think some people give their money away really foolishly. When I got, I wasn't spirit-filled for five years. Then I became spirit-filled in the sense that I believed in miracles now and and the presence of of the spirit in me and speaking in tongues and that kind of stuff. I had to go to my friends and say, look, I'm only going to support spirit-filled people. I know you're my friend, and I'm still going to love you, but I only have a certain number of dollars right now, and I'm going to put them into where I think it's going to do the most good. So be smart. Also, when you give to a friend or a missionary, say, I'm making you a two-year or three-year commitment. Don't make yourself an open-ended commitment to anybody. Make a commitment and say, for the next two years, I'll support you. The next three years, I'll support you. And if you can't support them, talk to them and say, hey, I'm going a different direction. I still respect and honor you, but I can't give this. Talk to them. Be honest with people. That's what they, you want them to do to you, right? So just be really upfront with your money. Be honest. Be clinging. Be willing to work hard. Um, hard work is uh, my grandkids. They don't like to work, I noticed. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Uh, but I keep telling them work is, set, is just so much fun to work hard. So I think maybe I'm a dinosaur from the past, and I don't even know what I'm doing. But Okay.
3: <laughs> well, Hap, thank you so much. Let's give a happy round of applause, guys. you. Uh, you know, I just want to say one thing that I, I love about Hap is truly I've looked over uh, at worship many times at church, and he's just on his knees worshiping the Lord. And uh, he's such a man, and I'm not just saying this because he's my boss, but I look up to him. I respect him. And I know at the end of the day, I follow him and his vision for the church because he loves Jesus. And, and I think his heart is saying not just come and give your money to the church, but live this thing out. Live God's financial plan out. And he calls us to a life of faith, right? It's Remember that story about the, the widow who gave her last coin in faith to the Lord, and he counted that as such a treasure to his heart. So live by faith and uh, let God amaze you with whatever you have, whether that's little or a lot. Amen.
2: with open hearts and open hands. We just welcome your spirit here again. Say, have your way, not, not just with our finances, but with our entire lives. Let our giving be a reflection, God, of what you've done in our hearts. That we would give freely of ourselves.
4: If you have a question about tonight, I have a better idea. Send it to Ryan. I'll have Ryan collate them, and I'll send it answers to him, and he can mail it out to all of you, because whatever one of you is asking, probably the rest of you would like to ask. So um, I'll be glad to interact with you. Second of all, I'd just like to pray over all of you that you get a great attitude about money. So before we do any specific ministry, let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just release a spirit of understanding and wisdom over this group, that they'll understand finances are very crucial to life. They're integral with the gospel. Lord, you talk second most about money of all the topics in your earthly ministry. Lord, the devil has messed up money, and I just break that hold over these young people. Give them favor. Give them understanding. Give them generosity with knowledge, that they understand your plan, your purposes, and your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Have a seat for just a moment. Um, I have a few words for uh, several of you, and I can't see it very well when you're all standing up. I'm going to start with this young guy right here with the Alive shirt on. You, yeah. Um, I I don't know most of you guys, so if I miss it, just forgive me. I I miss it from time to time, but... um, you, I think you're actually called to be a pastor. I think it goes back years ago. Uh, to, is that true? Okay, your mom or your grandma or somebody prayed that over you and told you that? or What? Your aunt? Okay. Well, whatever. The Lord just said there's a, there's a powerful anointing on your life. You have a hunger for God. Uh, you have lots of questions. You don't see quite see how it all fits, and it's not quite your game plan. But, and I'm not. Here's a word about the Lord. The Lord's never in a hurry about anything, but He's always moving. So it doesn't mean that tomorrow you got to stop whatever you're doing and go be a pastor. You just let it come natural. But you're going to pastor people. You influence people. You're a leader, and that makes a big difference. So, go for it. Um, this young lady right here, you. Yeah, you. I, I, as I watch you, the Spirit of the Lord just highlighted you as a person that likes to lead as well. Uh, you like to uh, influence people. You like to uh, head people into the right direction. But um, the Lord says that uh, your leadership is about to move to a new level where you'll have some confidence. And confidence in the Lord comes... When two things happen, one, you know who God is, and number two, you know who you are. In fact, those are the only two questions in life, who's God and who am I? And as God gets bigger, better, and more beautiful, then you'll see who you are. And so the Lord wants to take you on a journey and show you some things, all right? Does that make sense to you? Okay. Um, The tall guy right beside you there, the Lord was on you, too. And uh, don't act so, like, surprised. Uh, um, You have a different type of call But you have an intense love for the Lord And the Lord said that um, What he wants to build in you is, Is sort of a deep thinker A person who really can relate to him Understand him Walk with him And have great conversations with your friends And as a result There are going to be a lot of people led to the Lord By you just talking with them sharing with them, and uh, the kingdom is going to make real sense in your life, and they're going to say, wow, I want to be like him. Is that okay? (laughs) Okay. Um, Where's that girl you were hanging on to? You. Yeah, there was (laughs) another girl, you and her. Okay, you two were hugging each other. She's in the back cab. Okay, wherever she, oh, there she is. She has that little thing on her head, yes. <laughs> um, there, there's something about you two. You two understand community and life, and uh, the love you have for each other is the love he wants, he, he wants that, it, you, you have a contagious love. I get around you and I feel something coming out of you two that like, wow. I'd like to be part of them. And the Lord said, you too will gather lots of people. You have an evangelistic gift. And the Lord wants you to just set a goal that's outrageous for gathering, like something like, and then between now and the end of school, you know, gather like 15 or 20 girls and guys into the kingdom. So go do it. All right? So um, uh, where's the young lady who's sitting here? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) So there's both a joy and a sadness in your life. Um, You you obviously have a love for the Lord, but the Lord wants to take you to a new understanding of how much he loves you. And uh, he wants to give you a new confidence, a new assurance, a new understanding that uh, you're about the best thing he's ever seen. I'm the best, but uh, but I hope all of you, when I say God, God's favorite, I hope all of you react immediately and say, no, I am, because God really does believe that about you. You're his favorite kid. I don't know how he does it, but we're all his favorite kids, but I tell myself that all the time, but the young lady that's walking back there right now, um, you're about to see Uh, a new level of intimacy with the Lord, a new understanding, and the sadness in your life is going to be taken away. All right? And uh, right here, you, you know, I I watch you tonight. I I watch people all the time because I'm always trying to say, God, what are you saying to that person? See, God has millions of good thoughts about you. And you, and you, and you, and you. And all I'm doing is just telling you some of the good thoughts. He shares just a little bit of it to encourage you. And um, he, he wants to give you a complete makeover uh, inside. Because you're not quite sure that you're one of uh, his chosen kids. You know you're safe, but you're not quite sure that you're as good as some of the others. And the Lord says, wait a minute. He wants to take that out of you. And so much of your life, you've been kind of an outsider, an orphan. In a, an orphan means you don't understand what it's like to be a complete uh, son or daughter. And that that's not a negative turn. It just means that you haven't enjoyed the fullness that God has for you. And he wants to bring you in. Bless you. Put his arms around you. And tell you, you're one of my favorite girls. All right? That means something to you, doesn't it? All right. So you're going to. Notice a big, big change in your life, watching as you go along. And, uh, you, young lady, the Lord just said you have a clean heart. I hope I got that right. But He said you have a clean heart, and um, and He loves that about you. He said you're one of His daughters that puts Him first, and that you really do um, pursue Him, uh, body, soul, and spirit, in a in a great way. So keep it up and be blessed. I had one caution. I don't know if I should share, but I think I will. Uh, This is a sad one, but I just want to warn you. Uh, I felt the Lord say, somebody here is considering entering into an immoral situation. I, I don't know who that is, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, and I know all of us probably have thoughts like that from time to time. I'm just saying, may the Lord give you grace not to do that will cause you great pain in the long run and it will cause you just don't want to go there 40 years I've been my wife and I have made many many mistakes there's two things we haven't done we haven't stolen from the church and we haven't been unfaithful to each other and uh, I just I pray that over you because I just see good people all the time crash and burn in that aspect and it's sweet fruit with a sour ending, and so be careful if that's you. Um, Do I know you? Are you Jackson? You're Jackson? Okay, I had a word for Jackson. You remember, uh, you remind me of a guy named Josh Powell. He used to be around here years ago, and I think he moved to San Diego. Okay, um, Jackson, you're an evangelist, and the Lord says you're a risk taker the Lord wants you to just be bold and radical and go for it. You, you've been, he's been kind of egging you on, but you have a little bit of hesitancy, but he says, forget that. He wants to uh, set you free, and you've got some big dreams in your heart, they're going to come to pass. All right? Okay, I know it's getting late. I'll hang around, and uh, there should be a word for every one of you if we had time. But Thank you, Happy. Could you give him a
3: round of applause, please?